0: Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we're excited to welcome back Mario Vitone, who writes uh, some great blogs and some great advice mostly related to safety information. We've had Mario here before to run us through some of the safety drills we should be doing. Today we're going to talk about planning to fail. Before we officially bring Mario in, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Mario Vatone, thank you for joining us again on Great Loop Radio.
1: Thanks for having me back.
0: Yeah, and for those who haven't read uh, your blogs, and actually they're shared frequently on our discussion forum, links to those, so we appreciate those. I know most of our members at this point are familiar, but just for those who maybe are not, go ahead and share your background if you would.
1: I spent I spent most of my adult life as a as a helicopter rescue swimmer for the Coast Guard, and uh, and I hated boats because if I was on one it was sinking or upside down or on fire and, and I didn't get it, and uh, uh, and, and after that uh, career, I, I I spent the last four years of my Coast Guard career as an accident investigator. I became sort of fascinated with the difference between the people. I met at work, and the boaters I didn't, and I realized there was a difference, and I went into prevention and did accident investigation uh, Mm -hmm. uh, and vessel inspection. And And now I write about it.
0: Yeah, and thank you for your Coast Guard service um, and for continuing to spread the word about safety to recreational boaters because, as you point out in some of your articles, um, there is a big difference between a recreational boater and somebody who does it professionally in terms of their awareness of potential pitfalls. So let's start by, let's talk about what you mean by planning to fail, which is a phrase I think you've written about a few times.
1: Right, it's uh, it's, it's sort of the... Uh, it's the that that phrase planning to fail is it's the it's the really the cornerstone of my my philosophy. I have a I have a I have a a whale above my office, and I have one quote on my wall, and it's Herman Melville's uh, quote from Moby Dick: "I'll have no man on my boat who's not afraid of a whale." and it's a and it's and it's about a, it talks about the fair estimation of the encountered peril and when i say planning to fail it, what i really mean is to it's not just a float plan although that's part of it um, it's about spending some time thinking about what can go wrong on your boat and having a plan for it that is that's also the cornerstone of of solace. and there's this there's a there's a, a regulation in the federal code for safety of life at sea uh, uh, in the in the uh, in the uh, in the MSA code, it says they have to spend time evaluating what might go wrong, what what haven't they thought about that might go wrong, and what's their plan for that. And so the, uh, that was the that was the thing in the uh, the Deepwater Horizon oil spill that 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 Exxon and Transocean wrote a lot of checks for because a lot of these guys got hurt swimming through oil and got burned swimming through you know burning oil and they go you didn't think that as on an oil rig there might be burning oil in the water and you should teach your guys how to deal with it it says right here in the code you're supposed to do that you didn't plan they didn't plan to fail they didn't plan for that contingency so taking that down to the to the great looper the, to, to a, the cruising and trawling uh boater uh it's about spending some time Not just to go through what the Coast Guard says. I have my flares and my life jackets, and I do maintenance on my boat, of course. But what happens if I get a two-inch hole on my boat? What's my plan to stop that water coming in? Or what's my plan to get to the beach? Or what's my plan for a medical emergency? So spending some time not just planning for your trip and a successful one, but spending time planning to not make it.
0: And I think that's so important because uh, loopers in general are very responsible boaters and do the things that you mentioned, Um, you know, the Coast Guard vessel safety Mm -hmm. checks and uh, make sure sure they're doing their proper maintenance. But it is that planning to fail that I think some of us perhaps neglect to do. So you start... uh, talking in some of your writing about a huge part of that is to have a float plan, which if you take any of the um, power squadron courses or the Coast Guard Auxiliary courses, they always tell you that as well, to have a float plan for the day. Um, But -hmm. you also say that your experience as a a rescue swimmer tell you that most people don't do that. Give us some of the information you have about the the likelihood of somebody actually doing that and actually needing it.
1: I, I was in maritime search and rescue for, well, for probably, well, uh, in in total, 22 years. I've never seen a float plan. I've never been on a search where the person we were searching for had a float plan. I've never heard of someone else seeing a float plan. Uh, I've never had someone call in for an overdue and got the number off of the float plan. Um, uh, It's just this thing we talk about. And so I started to. hypothesized that, well, the kind of people that make float plans don't get into trouble. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's true or not you know I, I'm, I'm trying to prove a negative here I've never seen a flow plan there for people that make them don't get into trouble I don't think that's the case but uh, they're just they're just uh, they're either not used or I'm right and the, the kind of people who are conscientious enough to do that uh, uh, ha- have have thought about the things that go wrong and uh, and don't get into trouble as much uh, but the mm-hmm. flow plan as you see it and every time um, there's that, that standard Coast Guard auxiliary float plan and it's a, not a bad template, but it's uh, uh, it's a, it's sort of an all things went right uh, plan. This is where I intend to go. Here's who I have on board. this is the kind of gear I have some details about the boat. And those are what I call those static things. you know my boat and what color it is and what color the hull is and, and how long it is, and how it's equipped and does it have you know how many fire extinguishers. That's all generally static stuff. And then they get into the, the fluid stuff about well, where do you intend to go? And I, I, I take float planning a bit farther in the planning to fail part when I say, all right, so you're going to go from here to there. Uh, and what are the three marinas between here and there that you can bail out to if the weather turns unexpectedly on you and you should head in? Do you, do you know where they are? Do you? Uh, and so my float my float plans if I'm going from here to there include my bailout points will be here here or this beach over there. You know, and, and and so how that helps rescuers if I make all mistakes and don't communicate and they go and they and they have the float plan to look at, that's the first place the rescuers will go look is the places Mario said he would go if he got into trouble. Let me go check those places out first. Uh, so so that sort of planning, what happens, you know, What will I do if things turn south on me? And what's you know? So what's my plan? And when I talk about medical emergencies, you haven't planned to have a medical emergency if you don't know something about the 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 people on your boat. Uh, And and while maybe their medical condition is in your business, if you don't know anything about their medical condition and they and they end up becoming in a medical emergency on your boat, what you get to tell the rescuer that shows up is. I have no idea what's wrong, you know, I don't, you know, is he allergic to anything? I have no idea. When you could, there's ways to put that stuff, not necessarily in your float plan, but to make those plans for medical emergencies. I have what's called a, an adult uh, medical history questionnaire. Professional nurses I, I every medevac I've ever done, I go down to, I went down to the boat, got the patient and the captain of the, of the, of the commercial vessel hands me an envelope, which is, the patient's medical history and everything in it. And I thought, wow, what a great idea. I've never got a medical history from anyone I pulled off a recreational boat, You know? And so I, I started to use the professional tools for recreational, butters. here's a medical history question. And and I have the, the, the rule on, on my boat. If if you're on medication, your medications come with us or you don't. Well, Mario, I only take it once a day. I take it at night. Well, I'm not sure when we're going to be back. I want to be back by dinner, but it's a boat on the water with thousands of moving parts. Maybe we're not back. And now you need your meds and don't have them. And now it's inconvenience, now life threatening. So go get your pills, you know. And so that's planning to fail. That's right,
0: and that, that can be extrapolated for loopers who, you know, primarily it's two people on a boat who know each other very well and probably know sure. those medical conditions. But many of our listeners who are doing long-term cruising will have guests visit. Um, And Mario's suggestions about the medical history is a great one. You know, stick it in an envelope, seal that up, and nobody ever has to see it unless it's needed. Um, And that's such great advice. And we have other visitor recommendations that, um, you know, how to set the expectations for your visitors. And that may be something you can send them ahead of time as just a, a medical history form for them to fill out and put it in an envelope. So that's a great great idea. Um, any other contingency plans for emergencies that you would recommend um, or ways to practice them? You know, any examples that you can give us of, of thoughts you have about that would be helpful.
1: Yeah, particularly for, for, for loopers who spend a lot of their time inside, right? So, uh, uh, you know, with a shore on each side, if I'm, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Right? That's so, correct, yep. Uh, so, so losing an engine is really a much bigger deal to someone on you know, on the inside than on the there's no there's, there's there's time on the outside. If I'm twelve miles off and I lose my engine, I have a minute to drift and see which way I'm going and 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 mm-hmm. maybe put out a security and say, you know, here's what's happening to me and, and while well, I work the problem. But if you're if you're heading down river with the current on your stern and you lose your propulsion, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Right, Right. practicing that because you have to do it now Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's no no time to to, there's no time to work it out and so and and that's another one you know uh that's a good drill to have what do i do if i lose my engine and then actually do that drill and when i say actually do it a lot of people will tabletop it which is fine you can you can tabletop that drill but but if you don't actually get to the anchor and get it and, and, and get it ready to launch, if you don't go through whatever your actions are, you know, if you if you don't actually do it, um, or, or in contrast, if you actually do the action, that you know, I'm going to go ahead and set the anchor. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to mock. I'm going to pull my engines back. I'm going to see which way I drift, and I'm going to. I may not set the anchor, but I'm going to get everything ready to do it. I'll mm-hmm. uh, to it including the calls I'm going to make on the radio. I don't have to make them, but I'm going to grab the mic and say the thing. I, I'm not going to transmit that I'm, I've lost my power if I haven't, but right. you know, to actually go through the complete procedure so the drill becomes a, a, a habit when that thing happens because that th- that's one of the things you don't have time for.
0: Right. Regarding weather concerns, you recommend some questions that people should answer for each and every day out on the water um, as part of their contingency planning. Uh, what are some of those questions? And you recommend actually writing down the answers to these.
1: Yeah, I, it, it, you know, at what sea state are you beyond your depth, either your boat or you? And it's usually you before your boat. Your boat's mm-hmm. pretty tough, <laughs> Right. You know, at, at, what, at what sea state are you know will you call it quits? and and what happened and the reason you decide those you know you know when those sustained winds are over what do we decide that if we're having enough and we're going to pull in? you know if you decide that stuff ahead of time that the decisions are based on logic. if you're trying to make it to watch a preg and you're not quite there yet and uh, and then those conditions exist and you get a you get a case of get thereitis, and you start well, it's not that bad and you and you push through it. Uh, and that's and, and so I think deciding those things ahead of time gives everyone aboard permission, you know, to make the decision to call it quits, you know, 20 miles before your your planned night stop, because the weather's just turned in a way that you've decided you don't want to handle it, that you know you don't want to be out there, anymore. or right, um, you decide, you know, or if you if you if you're a twin engine and you lose one, you know, what's your plan for that? You know, what what do you right. what risks are you willing to accept? You decide them ahead of time. You know, will you? How, how far will you run on the single engine before it's time to? You know what? I'm not going to risk the other one, you know, and and I'm going to pull in sooner than I planned, you know. And so, right. make so it's it's usually wind and weather. Uh, um, what are my limits for uh, for weather, for mishap, for for casualty, uh, for, for for vessel casualty? I've lost my generator. Do I care? Yes or no. I've lost an engine attitude. Do I care? You know, to what degree? Um, I've lost my radio or my radar, right? What am, and, it, and these are just thought exercises. What would you do if you lost your radar? Okay, now decide that ahead of time. That becomes part of your own personal safety management system so that you're not making that decision the first time you ever lose your radar, right? So right. Uh, th- there's it, it takes some work, but it takes some pretty pretty easy work, you know, sitting around with your with your crewmates around the coffee table and, and making decisions when you're not under pressure.
0: Right. And one of the things I love about your approach, Mario, is that if you've done the step where you're determining where else can I go if something goes wrong rather than making it to my planned destination, it makes all those other decisions much easier. Um, if, you know, if you've sure. looked at where can I stop between here and there if the weather turns, then when the weather does turn and you're trying to make that decision, there's I, I believe yeah. there would be much less emotion in it as well because you've already planned an option.
1: Right, you, and, you, you know, to expect, maybe you've checked the notice to mariners, you know, the water's good, i got plenty of water in that, in, in, you know, in that inlet, and, and, I, and you feel confident shooting it because it's, it's, it may be your first time doing it, but it's not really because you've thought about it and planned for it.
0: Right. All right, we are going to take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When I come back, I want to go a little bit more into the float plan in terms of communicating with someone not on the boat and also how to adapt um, what many people think is a typical float plan, but for someone who's cruising day after day after day. So we'll, we'll come back in just a moment. Northport Bay Boatyard is a complete marine service facility located on Grand Traverse Bay in Northport, Michigan. They feature over 85,000 square feet of heated storage, and they are offering loopers a 10% discount on heated storage, as well as a winter labor rate of $75. That's a $10 discount off their usual rate. For more information, visit www.npbby.com or call 231 386 5151. Northport Bay Boatyard is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. Our guest today is Marine Safety Expert Mario Vittone, and we are talking about planning to fail um, for those that one bad day that all of us hope will never happen um, but but making it more bearable if in fact it does happen so uh, mario we kind of talked about uh the idea of a float plan and that what you would do with a float plan goes way beyond what most people would think of as a float plan or any of the templates that you've seen out there you recommend communicating on a regular basis with someone not on the boat how often should that be done
1: yeah, this is the communications plan part of what's my comms mm-hmm. plan for my for my trip, uh, and if you have that option and and you know I think most of us do, uh, uh, and it, it, it so how often you know it depends. If I'm far offshore, and, and I pick up this habit on a patrol boat in the Coast Guard, we had to call back, we had to call in to a Coast Guard unit. It's called Radio Guard, and every hour we had to make a call giving our position and, you know, it's pretty much everything's fine and we're here. Uh, and and a lot of that stuff's handled electronically now. Uh, there's a lot of ways to track vessels, but it doesn't necessarily say you're fine unless you're taking some action to say I'm okay. But, right. but having a method to do that, you know, um, you know, if you're, not running down the ICW, you know. It's, it's a. It's a. I, I would make it a morning, and you know we're leaving now, and we expect to be and the next. We expect to be here at this time. That's their plan, and then so when when is the communication call? At the time you said thought you would be there, and it's either I was right, we made it, or I'm not right, and we're going to be there another hour. Call you when we get there, and and you settle in. And so, um, now, and and I can hear. Already, some of some of your listeners gone, well, that's silly, and and it might be. Don't, you don't have to, you know, if if where you're if where you're uh, traveling is so populated that that if you do have a problem, someone's going to see you, then maybe, then perhaps you don't need to do that. But uh, you need to know and decide when you need to do it and when you don't. You know, wh- when is my travel remote, and I want to have a radio card so that if I don't make it. One, and the reason I don't make it is an electrical fire, and I have no comms with anybody, and I'm out of cell phone range. Someone can make a call for me and say, uh-huh. hey, they said they were leaving here at this time. They said they would be there at that time. I haven't heard from them in six hours. And so uh, that gives rescuers a place to go look, right? And, and right. an idea of where to search for this. And of course, they'd had your float plan. So having a comm schedule with someone back on the beach is important.
0: Okay, and you mentioned that there is some technology that can help automate that, at least the check-in part, or t- to track the vessel. Um, yeah. Is there anything, and there are several, uh, several options for that, um, you know, if you have one or two favorites, it would be great to name those, but also is there anything that can kind of automate um, or make the whole process a little bit more simple when you are cruising every day um, to yeah. communicate with someone off the boat?
1: I, well, you can just text there's one that's mm-hmm. simple enough, sure. right? If you're Very in mm-hmm. you can just text. I like the Delorme InReach uh, more than there's another device spot. There's a couple of them out there. That, uh, there's an in, a device called the InReach, and mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's robust and reliable and not terribly expensive, and neither is the service. Uh, and they can just pull up a website and see where you are, and that you're chugging along. And you can also send text. You can send messages through that, yeah, you know, through satellite. So. Um, if you wanted to get fancy and then you have a track of everywhere you've been on your track, you know, that's one What besides your GPS. And there's a way to, there's a way to sort of, and, and a lot, a of, lot of, you know, cruising bloggers use these tools. You can always find out where their boat is and where they're heading. You know, right. You can put it on track and see them every, you know, every, you can have it every, update every five minutes or real time. But I like that device and that's a fine comps You know, if, if that ever stops, Uh. uh, then you have a plan for, you know, well, hey, hey Dad, the thing didn't, you know, your position didn't update in, in, in six hours, so I just thought it'd be cause, everything okay, you know. That's part yeah. of that. I do
0: Right. You also, I, th- I think you mentioned Radio Guard earlier. Explain what that is, and, it, you know, is that something anybody can request from the Coast Guard?
1: Yeah, I don't know that the Coast Guard, you, you, not, uh, the comm centers are not so bored that they could, you know, handle supplying radio guard. But if mm-hmm. you're in a pond, pond if you're in a situation where you're having trouble, they're going to put you on a radio guard. And so, uh, but the pond, pond, and I don't know when we've talked about this in the last podcast. It's the most unheard thing I, I've never heard a mariner say pond, pond. I've heard the coast guard say it. Mm-hmm. The pawn pond is the call that's supposed to come before May Day, which means I'm having a problem, but I think I can work it out. But I'm just letting you know that I'm having this problem. And if anyone can help me, that would be nice. But I'm not calling distress. So the pond pond. So if if say you're out there and you're beyond your weather limit and it's blowing and you're uncomfortable and, and uh, uh or you were relying on your radar and you've lost your radar or whatever whatever your your problem is it's a great time for a pon-pon and, and to set up a radio guard, which is, you know, because one bad thing usually follows another. And so, um, uh, and I give you an example. If your boat's not usually in rough weather, and now you're in rough weather, and now all the mucky stuff in the bottom of your fuel tank is kicking up to, uh, to the fuel lines, and now, you know, in rough weather, you, you know, your engine's fine, but now you, you find out just how dirty your tanks are by, by sloshing it about, and now you lose your engine all right so if you you know so setting up a radio guard because just because you're uncomfortable the coast guard's quite happy to talk to you if you're at all uncomfortable so you know i would call the coast guard i would actually say the phrase pon pon because I'm, i'm the problem i'm having is i'm beyond my weather limits and depth and i'd just like to stay in touch until i get to chrisfield or wherever it is you're heading and uh They'll be glad to put you on a comm schedule. It would probably be something like you know every 30 minutes or every 15, depending upon uh, your level of stress. And they'll just want to hear from you. And and so, and so, what the effect of a radio guard is is if you've contacted them and said, I'm staying in touch, a couple things can happen. One, there might be a Coast Guard asset nearby that would come by and give you some cover or just they'll be watching out for you. You're going to pass by the next station, and they're going to watch for you. And be ready to respond if you need it. But what really happens is they'll call you. You'll, you'll talk to them every whatever the schedule is, say every 15 or every 30 minutes. Uh, and if they don't hear from you, typically how a radio guard works, let's say the comm schedule is every 15 minutes. If they didn't hear from you for 15 minutes, and then you miss the next com schedule at 15, they're going to come look. That's going to be uh, a default distress, and they'll come look for you.
0: Uh-huh. Why do you think it is that you've never heard somebody call a pond pawn?
1: I think it's because, uh, well, I know why it's been in a lot of cases is there's a certain denial of problems they think they can fix, right? So if the water's coming in your boat, right? If the water, if you, if you have a if you have a leak in your boat, however small, and and but it's coming in in such a way that more of it's coming in than is leaving, that's called sinking, right? Uh-huh. On a long enough timeline, when more water comes in than gets out, that's that's sinking. And so, I, I you know, people minimize the problem as it's happening if they think they can handle it. And then the water's at their ankles. Then the water's at their knees. Then it's mayday, mayday, mayday. Um, what they should have done when they identified the leak is say pon-pon, which is, I've got a problem. I'm going to work on it. You know, any ideas? <laughs> Uh, and and it doesn't happen because I don't. people don't like to call for help. They don't like they don't want to bother anybody. There's a certain self-reliance that boaters like to have. and and so they they just they just don't use it. Uh, I know that most of them know about it, but you know, they heard about it. it's it's not a phrase they haven't heard of before. It's just never thought of as something they can use. And it is the most useful thing. It's the most useful communication in maritime distress. and and it's very rare that the problem is so immediate that it's a mayday fire is usually one of those things you're on fire that's a mayday (laughs) the boat's on fire you're losing control that's a mayday smoke coming from your battery box you know is probably and you shut off the power and hit the switch that's a good pon pon you're you're not in direction you're not ready to jump off the boat and leave it but that wasn't right and something else might go wrong i've got a problem you should call pon pon mm-hmm. it, it's not going to cause you a post-star boarding they're not going to get mad at you because you bother them uh but what happens if say you're you have a slow leak or you, you have some smoke and you're trying to figure out where it's coming from and you've shut down the power but you haven't quite figured it out yet is you give the coast guard or anyone else around you options you know and so it, it, you were taken on water, and you waited for half an hour, and then you called Mayday, or then you called for rescue. Well, 20 minutes ago, there was a Coast Guard boat, you know, within a mile of you. And the Coast Guard didn't know you were having a problem because you didn't call Pond Pond. And that, that boat was just heading back to base for no particular reason. They could have hung out with you and helped you out and maybe brought you a pump. And so but you, you deny the rescuers their options, and you, and you remove your options by not admitting sooner, you're working a problem. And so,
0: that's, I, Yeah, that's, that's a great way to look at it um, that I had never thought of. And, you know, I'm probably somebody who prefers to not feel like I'm bothering someone. But, yeah, you know, perhaps you're making it easier for them because they're already nearby than it would be to come back and get you right. later. So excellent way to look yeah. at it.
1: Right. Because they know everything. They know everything that they have in the area. They know where so, they are. So thank you. And so if you just let them know. And trust me, they're bored enough to like it, you know. Hey, great! <laughs> yeah.
0: So, just you know, off the top of your head, if you had to put a guess on, you know, for the accidents that you've investigated, how many could have been avoided by planning to fail? Could you put a, a percentage possibly on that, or is that not really a fair question to be asking you off? You know, no, I think it's life? a
1: completely fair question. I, I say this, and I and I, I get strange looks when I say it, but I'm, um, it's a theory of mine. I'm I'm um, uh, I'm wholly convinced of. <laughs> it's I've, with the exception of some medevacs, medical evacuations. You, you slip and fall in your boat and break your elbow, and that that you know, it happens. Um, that's no one's fault, really. That's, that's unfortunate. Or an undiagnosed case of appendicitis. That's a that's not anyone's fault. Uh, if you have your third heart attack and you're 40 miles offshore, maybe you made a bad risk decision in, in continuing to go offshore, but. But with the exception of medevacs, those medevacs, um, I've never been on a rescue mission or heard of a rescue mission that I didn't think uh, could have been avoided uh, or or that wasn't caused by a bad decision made by the captain before leaving the dock. It's almost always a planning failure, almost always. Um, So I'm not going to say 100%, but it's real close. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and while well, the engine fire, if the engine caught fire because your housekeeping was terrible and your maintenance was bad, that's it before leaving the dock. Planning problem, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. You you could have fixed that. The diabetic twelve year old didn't they didn't have insulin on the boat because it was only a four hour trip. That's a planning failure. You thought you'd be back in four hours, you weren't because you ran aground. Planning failure. uh um so, you know, the collision that wasn't your fault, that's one of those ones that's not a planning to fail thing. That's just what you got because somebody ran into you, you know, it's, right. it's, it's, no matter how hard you tried to avoid it. So I'm not, you know, I'm not saying everything's the Mariner's fault. Uh, but if you don't have a plan for collision, it can affect your outcome. So, uh, so that's, that's, I, I, I really think most of it is planning to fail.
0: Well, and I imagine that that last thought you had that even for mechanical issues um, can get much worse if you haven't planned for what you're going to do in that event um, right. so all great advice and, and really an important concept that I really hope loopers kind of take to heart and start to think through some of these things Mario, if people are looking for some more details on your writing I know you write for Soundings um, Weekly um, and those are found on Soundings Online is that the best place to catch up with your writing?
1: That's the best place to catch up with my writing. And uh, I, we, in May, May 21st, just to throw a plug, Boaters University mm-hmm. is releasing uh, uh, my course on on uh, safety and rescue at sea, which comes Excellent. out May 21st. And so if loopers Wonderful. use the code Mario, they pay less for it.
0: Okay, and I just go to boatersuniversity.com for that?
1: Butters, buttersuniversity.com and it's a new course coming out May 21st.
0: Great. We will definitely look for that. Mario Vatone, thank you for joining us again. We'd love to have you back to talk safety another time because it is such an important issue. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Thank you for listening, and until next week, safe cruising.